It is? Nope. What about, what about now? Yeah. That's working? All right, great. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Mother's Day. And you guys will have to give me just a second because I think my mom is watching today. Mom! Hi, Mom! <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you for all that you did and do for us. And uh, thank you for joining today. I wish I was in North Carolina with you, but when God calls, you know, and this is what you wanted anyway. Sorry, guys. I had to get a little teary-eyed. Oh. Woo! Okay. All right, well, guys, good morning. Uh, I don't know why I put this up here. I'm using my phone. Like, I'm going to set my phone here. Uh, but yeah, good morning guys. My name is Cole. I'm associate pastor here at the church along with uh, Pastor Rollin Fisher. Uh, I was going to do my, my one, well, I actually have like five jokes and one of them is when I come up here I say, hi, I'm Rollin. I'm going to preach today, but uh, I'm trying to get some, some more jokes this morning. Uh, yeah, so if I can do it, you can do it too. If you're called to ministry, you can do it. Uh, so guys, uh, Happy Mother's Day once again. We are going to be continuing on with our Exodus series, part three. Has anybody been blessed as we've been opening up the Bible and going through Exodus so far? Yeah, it's one of the clearest pictures of the spiritual battle that we go through and of the gospel being played out before we actually see Jesus come on the scene. Uh, but before we do that, I just wanted to give a, a quick exhortation to the mothers. We got any mothers in the house or on the live stream? Yeah? Okay. Anybody been mothered? Yeah. yeah! All right, well, this is for you as well. One of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and, and your mother, right? So that it may go well with you. So, a brief exhortation on Mother's Day. I thought about five in chronological order uh, uh, mothers that we see, and I never thought about how they actually like build on each other. And so, the first one that I thought about, apparently, obviously is Eve, the mother of all the living, right? Do you know without her, none of us would be here right now? That's right. We always blame her for that big mistake that she made, right? The first sin, but we believe in a God who redeems, right? Mm. So no matter, no matter where you're at, mama, or mama's out there, God is, God is working, right? Don't let the devil beat you up. He is doing it. And then the next one I thought about in order as we're going through Exodus it's from uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 15 through 21. Uh, the Israelite midwives. Do you guys remember the midwives and the role that they played in the Exodus? Their name, we even get their names. That's how important they were, because sometimes we don't get names of some of the obscure figures. One of their names was uh, Shifra and Pua, and they disobeyed Pharaoh's order to kill all the firstborn as the midwives who were being born. So guess who one of those that made it through because of that was? Moses. Moses, the one who God chose to bring his people out. And they weren't even mothers themselves. They were midwives. They were just mothering and obeying God. And God used that to bring about his deliverance. But it says that God rewarded them, as Pastor Ron reminded us, and it says that because they obeyed God in that season of life, he gave them families of their own, right? So if you feel called to that, just keep obeying God in this season, mothering and doing what he has for you to do. Amen? <clears throat> All right, number three. Um, that the mother of Moses and his brother Aaron and Miriam was Jacobed. Does anybody know Hebrew? Am I saying that right? Jacobed. 
right? And she, by faith, put Moses in a basket and sent him off saying, Lord, I know we have to do this. I know you have great plans for him, but I release him to you and to your purposes, right? And so by her faith, right, Moses was released to God's purposes. And so may God give you that faith as well. And then, obviously, we're here as the body of Christ, right, and the mother of Jesus, Mary, right? It says that she had a great faith, and she said, Lord, may it be done unto me as you will. I'm your servant. So she surrendered to him, right? And then even after that, in the New Testament, as the gospel is going forth, we see the gospel being passed down from, well, we, we hear about this in the letter to Timothy, and Paul was saying, Timothy, you're here doing what you're doing, obeying God's call, because of first your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, who passed down the faith to you. Didn't even mention his dads, right? It was just Lois and Eunice, and now here he is, a man of God, seeing the gospel go forth and people come to salvation in Jesus. So one more time, can we give praise for our mothers? Yeah. We love you. Praise God for you. Yes. Okay. Well, guys, uh, we're going to dig down now into Exodus Chronicles Part 3. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. And then we're going to move on uh, to Exodus 7. And then we're going to jump into the New Testament with Romans chapter 5. And our focus point today, before we even get started, if you, if you have to cut off and you... Uh, you have to leave the live stream. Here's what God wants us to know today as we leave here. That God's promises are that by which his power is revealed, thereby bringing wrath on the stubbornly disobedient and salvation for those who turn and believe. I'll say it one more time. God's promises are that by which his power is revealed, thereby bringing wrath on the stubbornly disobedient and salvation to those who turn and believe. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you for you. Thank you for your promises that are salvation for us, that are good news to us who turn and believe. And Lord, we pray today that we would begin to see you as the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God who is powerful, the almighty El Shaddai, to save when nothing else can. And so God, I pray right now that by the time we finish this message today, that the supernatural hope that passes all understanding, Lord, would fill your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys, we're going to look at this in three parts then. Number one, God's promises. Number two, God's power. And number three, God's provision. And so for uh, God's promises, we're going to read Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. So you can read with me or follow along if you would like. All right, here we go. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And Pastor Roland clarified that for us last week, that that strong hand was not Pharaoh's strong hand. It was the Lord showing his mighty power that would compel Pharaoh to let the people go. Verse 2. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them 
to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. We all know that God's not forgetful, right? So what does that mean? That means he was waiting. He was waiting for his people to cry out. He was waiting for his people to let go of self-reliance, self-righteousness, whatever it was to say, God, I need you. Right? God exalts the humble and opposes the proud. And so this is a lesson for us today. Cry out to him. He wants to hear because he wants to remember and keep his covenant. Okay? So moreover, uh, excuse me. da 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 I have remembered my covenant. Verse 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel. So because I remember my covenant, you go speak to them. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will. You see a pattern here? Who's going to do it? Say louder? God will do it. That's right. So it doesn't matter your strength. It doesn't matter your power. It doesn't even matter if you know the entire plan. Who here knows God's entire plan for your life step by step? I don't think any of us do, right? We know that it's good, but we don't know what all it's going to entail. But we can know that He will do it. Amen? I will. I will take you to be my people. And we're going to start right there for just a second. We all have this idea of what the promised land is, of what the kingdom of God is like, right? And we have some clarity about that in Scripture, and actually we have quite a bit of it. But the primary purpose of God's deliverance in your life and my life and in the Israelites' lives was so that they could be with Him, where He is at. It is all about the relationship and the presence. Jesus says, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but it's appropriate. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And I go to prepare a place for you. Where at? In my Father's house, so that you may be where I am. If your idea of heaven or of the kingdom of God does not include being with God, or God as revealed in Jesus Christ, you're deceived. You're deceived. It is, if you love Jesus, you're going to love heaven. Right? If you don't, it's going to be hell for you. It's not going to be heaven. That was not in the notes. Uh, uh, so that just means some of us needed to hear that. Verse 7, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. Therefore, self-revelation, by his promises being kept through his power, he is saying that I am who I am, and you can trust me, right? God's power is not to puff him or puff us up. It's so that we can know his character, that he is trustworthy. And he says... I, shall not, I probably should use the iPad. These glasses are not as strong as I thought as I'm reading this. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. 
I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, and they did not listen to Moses. Didn't God go through a lot of trouble just to get Moses born to begin with? Didn't Moses spend 40 years on the backside of the desert with sheep learning how to shepherd well and learning how to like be at, at, uh, at peace and to hear God's voice, God revealed himself in a burning bush? And still, it says, Moses spoke thus to the people because he's learned that God is trustworthy and he'll do what he says he's going to do, right? Started with him. But they did not listen to Moses. And here we go. Is it on the screen? Because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Some of the translations say that this good news was preached to them about God actually intervening on their behalf. Not God just giving them a great to-do list of how to save themselves. Like, just do this, you'll be okay. No, he says, I am going to come and I am going to deliver you from your burdens, from the burdens of the Egyptians, your slave drivers. And yet, they did not hear it and believe it because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. So a couple of the other translations, this is the ESV that we're, we're referring to right here, says that they did not believe because they were despondent. Despondent. Admittedly, I had to look that word up. <laughs> despondent because I do not work in counseling. But any counselors out here, have you ever had to use that word to describe people before? Yes. It has described me. It means extreme hopelessness. Extreme discouragement. When you put the dis in front of something, it means like without, right? So extreme lack of courage. So much so that they did not even believe that the God who spoke to their forefathers would do what he said he's gonna do. Now, I have a little bit of compassion for them and is it okay to move around a little bit? Okay. Um, hey, Mom. Uh, a little bit. I have a little bit of compassion on them for being in that state. Um, I'm not going to ask people to raise hands, but I have definitely been in that, that state of despondency and discouragement. I remember leading a Bible study one time, and we were surrounded by leaders. And, uh, and right after the Bible study... And I'm the leader. I just, rah, just broke down. I literally, my back was against the wall, and I slid down the wall. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't. I was, I was despondent. I was despondent. But let me tell you something. When you cannot help yourself, God will intervene. He will do what we call an intervention, which means you have come to the place that you realize there's nothing you can do to save yourself. Okay? And I want to tell you something very clearly today. God can only heal sick people. Because if you don't realize you're sick, then you don't need a healer. God can only save sinners. So if you don't realize you're a sinner, you don't need a Savior. Right? So I want to tell you, even in your despondency, there is an intervention that is on the way. There is a deliverer who's going to come. And as we just read over and over and over, I will save you. I will draw you out. And you will know that I am the one. And I'm going to break every bit, every bit of reliance you have 
on creation, on things that you have made or things that other people in your culture have said that you need to put your hope here. I will break it because I love you. I will allow you to fall into this place of despondency so that you will know beyond the shadow of a doubt for all of eternity that it was the God of heaven and earth that pulled you out of that hole because you were under the wrath of God. And only God can save from God. If you're under the wrath of man, you may be able to pull yourself up. But if you're under the wrath of God, only God can save you. He has to do it. So, there is, so if Jesus is not, this is not in the notes. If, if Jesus is not God, he cannot save you. But because he is God, he can save you to the uttermost. He will pull you up out of the pit of despair and despondency. He will fill you with the hope and the peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because he's God. Who made all the natural rules that we deal with? God. Who can bend them? God. Right? So he can do the supernatural and the miraculous. So the broken spirit and the harsh slavery was why they weren't listening. But I want you to hear what the Lord says. And Lord means Yahweh, the self-existent one, the uncreated one. Oh, and one other little thing here that stands out too is where I have a little bit of compassion on these guys as well. So, so right here he refers back to, oh, God made a promise. This is Moses. God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that even though he foretold it that his descendants would be in slavery for 400 years, he's going to draw them out and bring them into the land. Who here has been holding on to a promise from God for 400 years? The extreme. Nobody, right, has been holding on to a promise of God from 400 years. So their tiredness, their weakness, it's a little expected. I don't, I don't blame them for being in that state, right? And God, God doesn't despise us when we're despondent. I want to be clear about that. He doesn't despise us. He draws near to us. And we go on from there. So the Lord said to Moses in verse 10, even though the people didn't listen to Moses, I want you to put, your, your, put yourself in Moses' shoes. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of this land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, and this is the Lord, right? He makes the rules, and gave them a charge. He gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So all my friends here that are, you're, you're already ministers of the gospel, right? You know Jesus. Jesus has changed your life. Moses had already encountered uh, the, the living God, the God who works miracles and wonders, which we're going to refer to uh, in just a moment. It does not matter how people respond when you share the good news of God's deliverance in Jesus Christ, as far as your calling goes, right? Because God didn't say, oh no, okay, if they're too broken, you just need to go, go heal them up, you just need to do all this, you need to stop bringing the message like, no, I have charged you to go do this. Now, why would God do that? Why would he not have Moses just, just, just stop on the mission, take a step back, 
and just, and just sit with them, right? Because we need to know that God is fighting for us and God's people are still fighting for us even when we're in that state, okay? And so the way I felt like the Lord was saying it here is it does not depend on the response of those whom you're charged to shepherd. You must still do the work because God is displaying his faithfulness through it. 2 Timothy 2.13, which I'm sorry, slide team, I didn't get this to you. Yes, you, I'll get better. Uh, when we are faithless, God is faithful. Why? For he cannot deny himself. Mm. Right? If you belong to him and you have a bad day, it's okay. It's okay. Right? Why? Because God is still faithful when we are faithless. Okay? It's not a license to sin. Because if you belong to Jesus, Jesus says, you'll, you'll love me and you'll obey me. Right? But what do we do? We get back up because we know that he is fighting for us. Because he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. Okay, moving on. God's promise. We got that. Promise of deliverance. He's working it out even when we don't feel like it. Right? Okay. God's power, Exodus 7, 1 through 13. And what I love about this, before we even read it, is that this isn't even the first of the ten plagues. This is God going to Pharaoh, who he knew was going to have a hard heart and was going to continue to have a heart that got harder. But you know how merciful and kind God is, even toward his enemies? He tries to go to them and reason with them first, right? And hopes that all people would be saved. So he comes with increasing measure of his uh, reason and then his power. And finally, he does what he has to do if we don't respond. And that's his character. He's that kind even to his enemies. All right, so Exodus 7, 1 through 13 says, And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Okay, so guys, what we see there is that... <laughs> um, sorry, I lost my place. Um, well, let's just keep reading the scripture. Let's just watch you with the word, and then we'll go back over it. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. So first he said, you, Israel, my chosen ones, you'll know that I am the Lord. But now he's saying, because of my great power, me keeping my promise, now my enemies will know that I am the Lord. So once again, the goal is that people would know that he is the Lord. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. I don't even think anybody in here is that age yet as I look around, right? Right? So if you haven't hit that age yet and you still don't feel like God has like fulfilled his purposes for your life, that's okay. 
that's okay. Because by the power of God working in your life, you will have all the grace and all the strength you need until he has done what he wants to do through your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. I'm 39, and sometimes I feel like I'm 90. And I'm like, am I Lord? But sometimes then I have this grace, and I don't know where this came from as well. So we cannot rely just on where we're at physically. Okay, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and cast it down from, uh, before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. You guys know God knows what's going to happen. He knows all the battles you're going to go through. He knows the struggles you're going to go through. But he doesn't want you to despair. That's why he tells you these things in advance. Like, well, God, you know what's going to happen. Why don't you change it? Well, he's working it out in his perfect timing. All right, but here's what we see through this passage of Scripture, and we're, we're running out of time already. We see that God's miraculous power brings about his covenant, covenant faithfulness, delivering his people while revealing the condition and the inclination, meaning the leaning of the human heart, right? His power doesn't always change the human heart, but I tell you what, it sure does reveal where it's at, and it's, it gives you the choice. Now, which, which way are you going to lean now? Are you going to lean into God, or are you going to lean into rebellion against him? So in short, when we see God's power throughout all of this in the Exodus, as we continue through the Exodus, Pastor Ron will go more in detail in the coming weeks. What we see is God's miraculous power, number one, it approves his prophets. It approves his prophets. That's what we see here. It saves his people. It humbles his human enemies. And it discredits and judges false deities. It discredits and judges false deities. There are things in your life, there are things in my life that are constantly saying, if you just worship me, I will give you what you desire. If you worship me, I will, I mean, even you start saying, I will heal you. But God is displaying the folly of that wisdom. One of the ways that he does this is, you guys remember the staff? that Aaron had, right? Well, when he throws it down, you remember how the staff swallowed up the imposter staffs? Yeah? Well, those magicians, those sorcerers, those wise men, they were representing the religion or the wisdom of the day. Okay? So even though there may be imposters and there may be faiths who present themselves as, as God's plan for your life around you, when you submit it to God... And then you wield God's word, right? He will move in power. And guess what happened to the other two staffs? You saw what happened. They were swallowed up, right? They could not stand before God. So for you and I, when we're having to make these decisions about the wisdom of the world or God's wisdom, we're confused. It's okay to bring those things into the light. You bring it into God's word, living his word. You bring it into his light through prayer. And then the word also says there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors as well. 
And this is my shameless plug for you to be in a community group. Guess what? You don't have to have Pastor Rollin. You don't have to have uh, podcast preachers. You don't have to have... You don't have to have uh, anybody that's on the microphone. God has given his spirit to the people of God right around you. And they can help uh, disclose what's going on in our hearts and the things that are being presented to us that are false, that are actually trying to steal life from us or keep us in slavery. Right? I mean, don't you see, the more that these things were being exalted as wisdom and as true worship, the more the Israelites were being kept in bondage and fear. Yeah. Okay. This is just a small thing that I took from this. God sent Moses and Aaron. He sent them in pairs. Right? You guys remember when Jesus sent out the 72? He sent them out in what? In pairs. Well, guess what God's doing today? He's sending them out in pairs again. I'm just speaking to the lonely heart in here who thinks you're, you have to do this all alone. That's it. That's all that one is. God, was, he's still doing the same thing. Okay. Here we go. Ah, yes. Okay. The staff was a reminder that the Lord was working his power through Moses and Aaron. Right? Because he could have done it without the staff, right? But then people may have attributed it more so to Moses and Aaron, right? So God gave them something to wield. And so it was a reminder of that. But uh, the main thing I want us to take from that is your private experiences with God will actually empower your public ministry outside of your prayer closet. Okay, where do we get that from? We won't read the whole thing. But in Exodus 4, um, we see when God was trying to encourage Moses in private. And Moses is like, I can't do this. I can... you just pick somebody else, God. Like, you could have come up with a million reasons. Just pick somebody else. And God said, okay, just, okay, see, what, what do you have in your hand? And Moses was like a staff. For you and me, that means nothing. But what was Moses' job at the time? He was a shepherd. So this was, this represented his career. This represented his vocation. And by the way, do you know uh, vocation means like you're calling? Ah. Yes. So this represented his career. Right? So what you do with the best hours every week, it matters. But God said, throw it down. Moses is like, okay. He throws it down. To me, that's symbolic of laying down your career at the feet of Jesus. But we'll get from there. Uh, so he throws it down, and it became a snake. And he said, grab it by its tail, and it'll become a staff again. And he did. And so God proved his power to work through Moses in that private time as he obeyed him. Right? And then there were some other things. He said, put your hand in your jacket, and then pull it out. Ah, it's leprous. I have a cancerous hand. He said, put it back in. He puts it in. So anyway, you see how God was encouraging, right? Right? Well, we see it come out right here. Your private experiences with God will empower you in public ministry. And so the enemy of our souls would have us get the cart before the horse. Okay? If you don't have that quiet time yet, if you don't have that place in your calendar and your schedule, I want to encourage you, by the grace of God, to fight for it. I want you to get into the Word on your own, not just on Sunday mornings, not just uh, in your Bible study, your community group, but get that quiet time. And I guarantee the same courage 
that came to Moses in that time that actually led to him being willing to do seemingly foolish things in public, like throw your staff down and it'll become a snake. It'll overflow into that. If your prayer has been, oh God, I just want to be more bold. Oh God, I just want to have more faith. Well, get in the closet and pray first. And let him encourage you there. Can I get amen? Amen. And then God, God will use what he has already given you to bring him glory. So Moses already had the staff. What do you have in your hand? Have you surrendered your career? Have you surrendered your schooling? Have you surrendered your marriage? That's in your hand, right? Have you surrendered uh, your family relationships? These things that take up so much time, have you surrendered them to him? Because through them, when you do that, God will um, he'll receive the glory. The gospel will go forth to others. And he will use those things to work his justice in the earth as well. Right? As God was moving through Moses and Aaron at that time, doing the signs and the wonders and the plagues that we'll see, he was bringing divine justice by shaming and discrediting all the false deities, all the false wisdom that was there. Now, Pharaoh's heart was hardened by God and himself when he encountered God's word, because they were speaking God's word, when he encountered God's word and God's power. God's word and power requires a response from humanity. And so therefore, whenever we come into God's word, it dispels the lie of neutrality. There's a lie out there that says, oh, I'm just, I'm just not religious, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just spiritual, you know. It'll all pan out in the end. I don't really have to commit to anything. But that is a lie. When we come into God's word and he speaks to us, that position of neutrality is exposed. And you realize that you're either with God or you're either his enemy, one or the other. And that is a good thing. Who wants to be deceived? Nobody wants to be deceived, right? We all, well, if we're really seeking the truth and we're seeking God, we want to be in the light. Um, we've already covered that. But very clearly, the big picture of the entire narrative that we're reading, the meta-narrative of the Exodus and the acts of judgment and miracles and power, is that the war between God and Pharaoh shows us plainly the spiritual battle that all whom God calls into his kingdom will go through. Every single one of us. Right? Satan does not want to let his people go. And Pharaoh is representing Satan in that. Pharaoh and Satan will not let his people go until the death of his firstborn. The final plague, which we're not going to talk about, um, Pastor Ron will cover that later, but it was the, the death of the firstborn, where God was showing his hand in increasing measure of power bringing judgment. And it got a little worse each time, and it was leveled at different deities uh, throughout uh, their culture. But it finally got to Pharaoh himself. Pharaoh saw himself as, um, as a direct descendant from the sun god. So, he was seen as deity. So, his son, his firstborn son, how did he see him? Right? As deity, as well. Like, this is, this is his offspring. 
And Pharaoh would not turn and yield and let the people go until the biggest idol in Pharaoh's heart, and this is for our culture today, of self-worship. We just call it simple things like self-centeredness, selfishness, but really, it's, it's self-worship. I've heard it said that the ultimate expression of, uh, of and we can have further talk about this, the, 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 the deepest expression of Satanism, right, which we think, oh, that's the worst form, like, anti-God. But the biggest expression is worship of self. Me, I, what I want. Fulfilling my desires, self-actualization, right? These are all buzzwords. Well, God wants to tear that down. He wants you to be free. And so it took, I don't believe we have to get all the way to that point, right? We can respond to any of these increasing uh, judgments in our life if we're applying this to us. And we can come to God. We can accept Jesus. And he doesn't want it to get that, get that far. But I'm telling you, God loves you so much that he will do whatever is necessary to get you to a place that you recognize you are helpless without him for all of eternity. And he wants you that bad too. And to make a crystal clear point as well, the judgments of God will seem like torture to his enemies, but they are salvation for those he's saving. So how do you view the judgments of God? How do you view the law of God? Do you see it as like God's holiness, his righteousness, right? That Jesus came to fulfill for us and that by doing that and by turning to him in faith, that his righteousness by doing that can become our righteousness and we can be made right before God? Or do you see it as just destroying yourself and you never ever being happy because you're being called to live righteous and holy? Okay, Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not the glory of ourselves, but the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And here's, here's the part to focus in on as we close. So worship team, you can come up. Uh, for while we were still weak, remember the Israelites? They were broken in spirit. They were despondent. Okay? For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Did God want to save the Egyptians? Yes. He wanted his judgments to bring them into his kingdom. He didn't want them to just suffer, right? For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God.
Jesus saves us from the wrath of God. Why? Because he took it for us. He took it for you. He took it for me while we were still sinners or while we were despondent, while we were still weak. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And so we're going to take a moment, and we're going to have an opportunity to respond while the worship team is playing. I want to pray for you if you're here today and you feel like the Israelites. It's been 400 years, or it feels like it's been 400 years. None of your work is paying off. Everything seems to be getting harder. Satan is adding straws to the bricks that you're trying to make because he wants, he wants to break you so that he can destroy you. Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy, right? And that's what he wants to do. But I'm here to tell you today, you can just come to the land of Goshen. You can come into Christ, and he will cover you. He will forgive you where you have sinned, and he will empower you by his spirit to live for his glory moving forward. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray for those here right now who are despondent and on the live stream, who are not even able to respond, they feel like. God, I pray right now that you would intervene in their life. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would revive their heart right now. That you would put on your spiritual paddles and shock them, Lord, to bring them back, Lord. That the gospel is good news for them and they are not too far gone. Whether it's their own sin, Lord, or it's a combination of their sin and the hardship that others have placed on them, God. We ask that you would revive them right now and give them the hope that is found in Jesus Christ that saves them. Not only from their sins, but from the world and slavery to sin as well. And God, I pray that you would turn their eyes to you and your return, Lord. That they would live every day looking forward to your return, oh God. And if there's anybody in here, if you have never realized that, oh my goodness, I identify with Pharaoh and his self-worship. Even as I think about the statements that I make on a daily basis about me and my and I and what I want. And I don't think about others and what they need. These are all signs God, I pray for them right, right now. Lord, I thank you for letting your judgment fall. But Lord, I pray that right now, and you can come up afterwards, we can pray with you. This is you. God, I pray right now that you would turn their eyes to the cross. That you gave your firstborn so that they wouldn't have to take that punishment. And so, Lord, we pray that your grace would come over them now that they would turn, Lord, just as you turned Paul, who was wrecking the church. And Lord, that they would be radically saved, just as I was, God. 180 degrees overnight. And so, Lord, we thank you for doing what only you can do. Only you can save us from you. And so, Lord, we thank you for doing that. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, guys, we're going to go back into a time of worship. And then afterwards, right over here, we want to pray with you.